the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If if Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mention a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Everybody, I'm Goldilocks, NWA TNA's backstage interviewer. You know, when they called me for the job, I had no idea what I was in for. I thought it would be just a, a simple sports interviewing position. Little did I know that it would be nearly impossible to even get people to do an interview, <laughs> nevertheless even listen to me. Journey with me, if you will, from the beginning of my career to its demise. I hope you enjoy it. That everybody is talking about you versus Raven for the NWA world title. Yet I don't think he can even last a week. Earlier tonight, he threw down the gauntlet by saying he was going to drop the mother of all bombs on you. I mean, what do you think he meant by that? Sonny Siaki, uh, you requested this time to talk to us, so why don't That's you? That's right, Goofy Locks. Once again, ace in the hole, Sonny Siaki is in charge. Can you give us some insight as to where Vince might have gone? Just not now, Goldilocks. Going to get a word in with Jeff Jarrett, the new heavyweight champion. Mr. Funk, is Jeff Jarrett back there? Jeff Jarrett is back there. Could we get a word with him? We just want to ask a few questions before before his match tonight. I'm sorry, but uh, Jeff Jarrett is not speaking to anybody right now. You want to talk about uh, TNA? I got your total nonstop action right here, baby. With me is the original midget killer puppet the Psycho Dwarf, and he's told me that he's got something that he wants to say. That's right. Let's start the show off with midgets. Why? Because midgets are the true stars. I hear in the wrestling business, all you got to do is just you just bump into somebody. Hey! You, just, you do. Hey! You just bump. Hey! You bump right into them. You mean... And you can have a wrestling match that night. You the, mean I'm going to get to have me a match the, with... 
Goldilocks. Look, pal, if you don't get your hand off my breast, you're going to be singing soprano. Got it? I think there's a little something, something between us. So I, I want you to go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. What? Go ahead, let's... Oh, what? Watch oh. my juju bees. Oh, enough about your juju bees, okay? Go, go. You, you want me to do something, talk about something? Goldie, it's all yours. Glenn, I gotta say, in the last couple of months, you've really been doing a great job with Sports Entertainment Extreme. Kudos to you. I, I think you've shocked the world. You've really taken this unit by the balls. But I think last week, the first blemish occurred on your record. Raven in his hour of need. He didn't come to Sports Entertainment Extreme. He went to Team Extreme, his old buddies. You know, Goldie, how it's always been like the thing to do to open up the show with the big pep talk to the group and slapping somebody in the face? Well, let me just tell you right now, I'm not above slapping a woman that deserves it. Oh, hell yeah! We've got a really unique match tonight, the House of Clockwork Orange something. Can you just tell us how that works? To tell you the truth, I don't know what the hell Raven calls this match. Beer. Quote the Sandman. Never mind. Uh, Goldie Lick. Is that right? Go to Lick? Lock. Oh, I'm sorry. Lock, Lick, or whatever. You know, I think that uh, I think Trinity would rather bump donuts with me than cash than be unsatisfied with your. Hello and welcome to the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling. This is the feature episode of part of the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling's podcasting empire. I am your host, J.P. John Paz, and for this podcast, we have Goldilocks from TNA fame. Of course, you may know her as a interviewer, the backstage style, a manager, a singer, a songwriter, a musician, and just an all-around star. But on this episode today, we learn a lot more about Goldie and her history. And it's just so interesting, some of the stuff that we kind of get to learn and we get to go through and we get to talk about. Just like, wow, I didn't know she did this, or I didn't know you did that. And had a lot more roles in TNA wrestling than I realized. Of course, she was doing the backstage interviewing. She became a you know, valet at one point, a quote-unquote manager at one point, doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Obviously, you know, she was creating some theme songs and some music, but you didn't realize she was kind of producing some of that and helping with some of that. Didn't realize she was doing some of the graphics and some of the photography and all this other stuff. So really kind of an all-around star, and um, TNA Wrestling was very, very lucky to have her. And we do go through her whole history there, of course, the infamous her interviewing uh, T.O., <laughs> or actually her wife, she, sorry, it was Puppet, and uh, he was jerking off in, in, in the garbage can, and you get that awesome Dusty Rhodes, you got a midget beating off in a trash can. So, I mean, we just talk about that kind of funny uh, moment in TNA and her thoughts on that and really where that was going or supposed to go or what she thought was going on, and she just has a funny little anecdote about that. We go into kind of what happened towards the end of her run in TNA Wrestling, why she was fired was it a business fault was it not a business fault did she ever say she was going to sue the company we will talk about all of that in this interview today it's great stuff and of course we are also talking about her music career and she has been and done it all in music really from working with prince the icon prince back in the day to uh being the opening act for Puddle of Mud and Pink and, and all these other tons and tons of big acts. We also talk about her new song, All to You. 
a top 10 Dove Award nominee. So definitely, definitely check that out. She's got some really good stuff on the podcast and really good places to go to check that out and and definitely go to her youtube page and check out everything that's going on as far as goldilocks also on this interview we do talk about vince russo's the brand and her show goldie's closet we talk about her patreon and everything in between so uh, sit back relax and enjoy a really really fun episode really kind of get to the nitty-gritty and really talk about a lot of interesting topics with Goldie. But before I send it off to the interview, also just want to mention other podcasts, a part of the TMPT Podcasting Empire. Of course, you have Rick Bassman's Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. You have Dr. Tom's Taking You to School, which is available on the TMPT feed. You got Castmaster Talks with Kevin Sullivan on the Creative Control Network. You have the University of Dutch with Dutch Mantel on the MLW Radio Network, and you have Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast, which is also, of course, available on Vince Russo's The Brand. we got some more stuff coming down the pike, which you will hear about very soon. But for right now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the TNA Wrestling Interviewer, Manager, Theme Song Creator, Photographer, Graphics Extraordinaire. She's a singer, a songwriter, musician, and she's a star. She is Goldilocks. Joining us right now is a a singer, a songwriter, a star, a former TNA interviewer and TNA manager as well. Of course, she is the world-famous Billboard Charts award-winning Goldilocks. Goldilocks, welcome to the two-man power trip. Wow, that was some good. And CNI asked to do some research on you, too, so I'm going to have to build up your fanfare now. That was great. Yeah. Isn't so what's fun? going on with you? What is going on? Like what's going because I see you're all over the place, your band's all over the place. What's going on? I believe it's I all to you. What's going on? I can't on wait for our band to be all over the place. We've just been coveting like so many people have and wrestlers. And you know, I w- I wish I could just shoot on some things that I can't normally online. I would appreciate mm-hmm. it if you allow me to do that. But yep. um, you know, we're a regular rock band, John. So what what would you like me to call you? You call me John. Okay, no, I was supposed to call you Two Man Power. What? John is good. So we're we're just a regular rock band. We're not a Christian rock band, and you know I lead a a, I try to lead a good life and everything, but I'm not perfect and a little salty and rough around the edges. So 
when the All To You song was was written, I, I co-wrote it with a previous bandmate and I just asked him, I said, you know, do you believe in God? And, you know, he was like, yeah. And I, I just, oh, he's like, well, who, you know, why, who doesn't? Or I'm like, oh, a lot of people don't, or people have different views. And I said, I, I really hear this music to be like, it's speaking to me. It's saying something. So right off the bat, I felt inspired to write something that was like a modern day Jesus coming back. And then ironically, James Storm plays him in the video. And it was an inspired song from the very, very, very beginning. And now that I remember when we were working on the video, the video took nine months. The song took two years to record because it's oh, wow. 158 mixes and it's in many different languages. Oh, and I, do you ever, have you ever noticed like when you ask a friend for help or just a little extra something, if you're down and out, it seems like people really want to help you. Yes. But when you start to like get some momentum or things change, all of a sudden people just get like weird. And so many people along the way of the video being finished, whatnot, um, they just said like, well, I wouldn't even worry about going for a dove award. Like you, you'll never get that. Or I don't think this is a very good song for the video. It's not a good fit. Or I don't think the music's very good or the mix is very good. Or somebody even said, I, I just scratch everything and, and recut the whole thing. And I don't think your vocals are strong enough. I mean, just like every single thing, John, that you could possibly crap on somebody, they just mm. kept throwing it. And then maybe, Maybe March, I reached out to somebody and I just said, could I get your help on advice on going for a Dove Award? And he sent me back this text message that was just like this litany of every possible reason again, why I shouldn't even waste my breath or time. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have massive airplay. You have to have massive buku dollars, you know, backing you, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he just went on and on and on. And then you're not what the Dove Awards would want rep just on and on. And I just, I kind of forgot about it. Well, a couple weeks ago rolled around and all of a sudden our record label said, you know, all to you is nominated for first ballot Dove Awards. So out of like thousands of songs. And I was just like, I, I couldn't even believe it. All I could think of is, all right, somebody, somebody likes me somewhere and like mm -hmm. the band and like they, they pulled a favor, some strings or something. But I guess the video, the PSA for suicide prevention, which I reached out to you about, was doing well and it was resonating with people and they thought enough of it at the GMA, the Gospel Music Association, to nominate it. But there's just a part of me that wants to, oh, the guy that wrote all that stuff back, somebody suggested he might be a voting member of the GMA. So I just like reached out to him, like emailed him, hey, it's Goldie, we're on the contemporary um, Christian category. Would Could I please ask you for a vote? Nothing, nothing, texted him. And he gave me this, well, I am too busy to read my emails. I have on and on. I was just like, oh my God, get over yourself, bro, right. please. <laughs> and then I, I, I texted him, Hey, I just was asking for a vote. And I, I hadn't texted him since March. And I look back and, oh my God, he the same guy that like, so he might, maybe he thought I was like sticking it in his face, but I wasn't right. But right. It felt yeah, good maybe he thought you were. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's not so like far removed of anything like the Dove Awards or GMAs would ever want to like, you know, I don't know, like, 
I'm not, you know what I'm saying? It just was yeah. like, it was just funny. They wouldn't want to have somebody be like that, but yeah, I don't know. Hindsight, it's kind of funny. So we're just really excited. And the next round is August 10th. And then you find out if you're on that ballot and then the final ones in October. And it would, it would be really cool to have that. Awesome. Congratulations. You're very you're kind. Very well. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. Nobody, nobody to tell. Nobody, my, <laughs> you know, my friends just don't get it. And yeah, whatever. Yep. You just keep it to yourself. Right. So you got James Storm, you said, uh, for the video. I guess you guys go back a ways, <laughs> right? Probably yep. all the way to the back uh, beginning of, uh, excuse you there. <laughs> Hold on. I have to cough. I'm going to just go off for just one second. Yep. Can you take me off? I went down the wrong pipe. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yes. So Goldie right now uh, is a little bit off screen. She's having uh, some difficulty. I will wait one second. I'll, I'll uh, give her her privacy or respect until uh, she pops back up. Help. Good there Lord. You. She's good. Okay. Here good. I am. Good. Look at I'm like yeah. crying. Yes, I'm crying for James Storm. Yeah, James Storm was really cool. Alan Yeah, Funk. I mentioned James Storm and you, you start going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to, he would pop for that hard. Yeah. Um, James Storm, Alan Funk, and Chase Stevens. And it was just the most brilliant night ever. Those guys are just consummate pros. James showed up with his um, grandfather's crucifix that his granddad gave him before he passed. Uh, he had on a blazer with like a cross on the back. He, mm. he really, really thought it out. I was like, yeah. bro, this is, so, this is so cool. It looks like I have like a really bad cocaine habit, which I don't. I just keep twisting <laughs> my nose, so run with that one. But I don't know why. I tried a new foundation tonight, John, and it's making me. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. No problem. Woman problems. Woman problems. So yep. yeah, it was a great. It was a great, great night. Um, during the fight scene, uh, we were limited on on production because we that was the very last thing that we shot. So yours truly was running out of money. And um, so we had our lights and everything, but we had to just keep moving the lights instead of leaving them everywhere. We had to conserve the lights. Mm -hmm. So we were shooting the real heavy, heavy fight scene and the suitcase over the head, garbage can lid. Everything was just, it was just brawling, total like ECW style. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I heard this like walking and somebody was blocking like, just like this, the shadow was coming through. They were blocking the light. <clears throat> and I looked behind me and I'm like, oh no. Well, it was a cop. It was an officer coming. And all oh, I did is I like ran up to her and I was like, just like, it's like, and then I, she, she looked and I just, and it resonated like somebody. And I just said, oh my God, are you kidding me? And my language was so colorful. And she was like, well, we got to report that somebody's being beaten. And I was just like, <laughs> I said, this is our PSA for suicide prevention. This is James Storm. This is, you know, and I like gave him like the rundown of like all of their accolades and their calling card. And like, she just went, have a good, night. <laughs> have a good night and turned around. And I was like, no, come back here. Come say hi. And then they had the whole bunch of squad cars up. But I was just like, <clears throat> who calls the police on like uh, Chase Stevens made the comment. He's like, you know, anytime that I like to assault someone and beat them to death, I like to have it properly lit. I right. like to make sure there's a lot of cameras to document. Yeah, he was hysterical. Yeah. They were great. But yeah, it was a really, really, really good night. Very powerful. So James Storm, obviously, your relationship with him goes back to probably 2002 to TNA. <gasps> so how did you actually get into TNA? Not only meet him, but how did you get into TNA all the way back then? So I was in a really weird record deal. And the main 
record executive who uh, I was also dating at the time. So it was very awkward. But um, and he was a lot older than I was. I was pretty young and very controlling. I will say I learned a lot from the from the deal. I have to keep coughing. Hold on one second. <coughs> I never did clear that. Um, I learned a lot from that situation. But like when you go back in time and you look at things and it's just like it was toxic and disruptive. And I remember him telling me one time in Minnesota that there is this lawyer that he's working with to sign another act. And she said something about this new promotion that was starting up, but it was wrestling. And he's like, you know, you're, we're from Minnesota and I know that you watched wrestling and I know that you were in the same town as Kurt Hennig and Vern Gagne. And, um, there's a couple of other greats that, that hail from, from Minnesota, Jesse, the body. Mm -hmm. And he just said, do you think you'd want to go for the, the, uh, backstage interviewer role? And I'm like, I, and I'm thinking, John, like, I want to do anything I can to get out of here. Like I want to just somebody take me away from this mess that I'm in. I just didn't like it. It was not good. So we met, I was flying back and forth from Los Angeles to Minnesota, Los Angeles to Minnesota. And we met with the lawyer on Shin Chins in, 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 uh, in Hollywood. And I can't remember if that was our first or our second meeting but she kept saying if I only had like an audition piece or something that showed her fire, or some spunk or some spice. And I had gone into uh, a singular, maybe it was some sort of cricket store and cut a promo on the guy working there. My friend came in with like a little hat cam and was filming from the stairs, like just chaos, which later on that same video Vince Russo put on TNA. It was a cell phone uh, catastrophe it was like, this is what Goldie does on her, her off days or on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I cut this promo and I had it, but it was just like a, a really crude camera, just some junky little thing that we got from Radio Shack and duct taped to his hat. It had a little button on it so you could zoom in and out. And she kept saying, if only I had something and I, and I had a CD, I had a DVD. And I was like, I have something. I have something. And I just remember my ex and business partner kicking me really hard under the table like, cutting skin, bleeding. And I could feel like the blood running down my shin. And he just looked at me like, it's not good enough. That's not good enough. Nothing with him was, was ever good enough. Like he just was somebody that was self-sabotaging, paralyzed right. himself constantly. He could never, ever finish anything and to each his own. But I just remember finally, I, I think I grabbed her arm and had the DVD and I said, I have this. And like, I, the look on his face was like he was going to beat the crap out of me the minute that she was gone. But the DVD made it. To, isn't it weird how that happens? Like the DVD yeah. made it to Jerry, Jared and Jeff. Yep. And I think she said like there was interest, but that was it. And that that's all that I needed to get on a plane. They didn't have Uber back then. I took a cab. I lied about where I was going to my person. And I took a, a flight to Nashville and cabbed it to Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is right down the road from where I live now, which is so mm -hmm. weird. And it took me three trips of basically soliciting the Jarrett saying I'm the right person for this job. And I'll never forget Jeff sitting back at, and then their office was real beautifully decorated. And um, they had this bowl of like those decorative gourds. They're like round balls with seeds glued on them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like real uh, Southern charm. And um, he just said, Goldie. 
and he he motioned and referenced like a stack of manila envelopes like this tall he just said look at all these girls that want this gig look at all these girls and then he'd pull one out and he'd look at her and he pulled another one out and he's like look at her and i was like yeah and he's like i mean look at her and i and i just thought to myself and i walked over to that bowl of gourds and i took two of them in my hands and i stuffed him down my shirt and my bra. And I'm like, well, look at me, Mr. Garrett. <laughs> he kind of looked at me and I said, I don't see anybody else here. I said, I've visited you three times. And I think this time was labor or Memorial day. And I just showed up. I didn't even know if they or not. They were. And I just said, I've come three times. I've traveled three times, flown my own ticket. And I, I have never seen anybody in your lobby or in your, your office. So it looks like I'm the best person for the job. And he just smiled and we went out to lunch and I'll never forget. They were talking about the Harris twins. Do you remember them? Oh, of course. Ron and Don. Yeah. Yep. So they're talking about the Harris twins and I'm sitting here like a little nervous. Cause I don't know like what's really going on. Look, my hair is all haywire. And he just kept saying, yeah, Ron and Don, they're good workers. They're really good workers. And I'm brand new to this business. And I just mm -hmm. remember going, I know a lot of people that are really hard workers too. Like I didn't understand what like they meant by <laughs> right, workers. Right, yeah, so I was yep. trying to like chime in and I sounded like a freaking idiot. And then he's like, Goldie, no worker is another term for wrestler. And I was like, <laughs> all right. All right. So John, let me ask you, since mm -hmm. you're so big into so many different wrestling avenues, mm -hmm. what's the difference between a wrestler, a worker and a jobber? So really, you would just say like a wrestler is just like the common term for a wrestler. A good worker or a worker is somebody that's exceptional. Like they always say Bret Hart is a great worker. They say Jeff Jarrett is a great worker. Somebody that has better work rates than somebody else means um, their match quality is probably better. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, it's not going to be very, very simplistic. It's going to be a really smart, uh, better psychology, better work match oh. yeah so Bret hart uh jeff jarrett i mean just a few examples would be considered good workers and the jobbers which they they don't like that term would be the carpenters or the guys that would maybe enhance the other guy so he would be the jobber would be losing so he's jobbing to to the other guy now i get it all yes. these years in wrestling i yes. didn't even know yes. and i'll be asking you that on my podcast <laughs> okay <laughs> sounds good yeah all right good quiz. all right it's a good one so you like obviously you end up getting the gig from Jeff Jarrett. When do you meet the one and only Vince Russo? Oh God. I'm writing down that question. Cause that's so good. I met Vince right when Vince came to TNA. And, uh, as you know, people have heard this story a few times, Vince wanted me to, to do a gimmick in the ring and I wasn't comfortable with it and just told him no. So he modified it and I told him no. And I think the two no's in a row were enough that we just became really good friends. And mm. one of the first memories I have of Vince Russo was when I was deemed, deemed the cat killer. And that is I boarded my cat and flew to Nashville. And apparently the border needed to take the cat to the vet. Something was wrong with it. And they were calling me to authorize the charge and the visit. Well, <clears throat> I was doing seven interviews per pay-per-view running around and I missed three calls. And by then the cat was dead. So oh, I finished yeah. the, yeah, my pride and joy. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. I 
got this this voicemail and it just basically said, um, Miss Goldie, I'm sorry to let you know, but your cat is 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 gone. After I heard all that, can we authorize? Can we authorize? I'm feeding back. Can you hear this? No. Nope. You sure? Let me turn this down. Otherwise, I'll go get headphones. Nope. I'm hearing you. You're free Great. Hearing fine. So they let me know that and I just lost it. It was backstage neck across the way from the locker room at the asylum in Nashville. And I was hysterical and it was Vince that literally picked me up. I, I slid down on the wall and Vince picked me up and walked me into like one of those famous back little crappy offices that you saw like Jeff yep. getting smashed into. And it was just mm -hmm. like, Sarah, that the white hair, she used to always be in this back little office in the, the TNA asylum. And he just sat there and he was like, whoa, whoa, don't cry. Don't, don't cry. It's going to be okay. You know, so he was like super, super, super kind to me. And then he's like, who else came in? I think Sonny Siaki came in and somebody else was down on their like knees, like with their hands in my lap, like helping me, like, come on, it's going to be okay. And he's like, what are we going to do? We can't ever cry in a... I tell you, we're going to go to Hooters. We're going to bring you to Hooters. <laughs> and that was like, that was Vince's way of like fixing everything. It was like, go to Hooters and get you some wings and fries and stuff like that. You know, come on over on second Avenue. We'll look, come on. So that was Vince's way of, he, you know, being yep. a dad as he was yep. like, he's going to take me to Hooters. That's the first time that I, that I really met him was when I killed my cat. Wow. So what a, what a intro, what a way to meet him. Yeah. So right. So you meet Jeff Jarrett, obviously, you know, he hires you, you meet Russo. So what's the relationship like with Jeff Jarrett kind of going forward? Because obviously he knows that you're like, don't really know the business that well. If he's talking about workers, you're like workers, you know, stuff like that. So what's the relationship like with Jeff going forward? It was really professional, but like strangely enough, and I didn't appreciate it at the time. I always say that hindsight 2020 is they included me with all of the the office meetings at the tables and I was always invited to everything. I just sat there like bored. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, entitled, uh, arrogant, sleepy. And it was Jerry Jarrett that really took a shine to me, not in a gross icky way at all. Like he was wonderful to me. Um, but he just was always trying to like teach me the business. And I think Jeff could have taken me or left me. He didn't care in one way or the other. It was Jerry who really, uh, really was cool. Jeff was always cool to me, but Jerry was extra cool. And then I think like Mike Tanay was just fed up with me being at the meetings and said like, we don't need her here anymore. I didn't even want to be, I didn't even want to be there. How would an idiot like now I would have given anything to have just been there and listened and learned, but I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was just a singer who got invited to do this and knew it was on camera and I do well on camera and I'm a good interviewer and good speaker, good on the mic. But that I didn't understand the rest of the business or what you've dedicated your whole life to. I really screwed up on that. So when, as you're kind of learning and, and learning the ropes and certain things, who's kind of like your mentor? Who's kind of leading you along the way to help you learn? Oh, nobody. Oh, no. so you had nobody. Not even Russo. Not even nobody's helping you. I mean, along. Russo helped me more or less a little bit later. Like he was just so busy when he came in. Right. You no, know, I mean, Russo was running around like a chicken with his head cut off because the copy was changing constantly. And you remember those were live pay-per-views, mm -hmm. you know, there was yep. nothing that was pre-taped. So you got to, got to get it right the first time. And I just remember screwing up so many things. Like I'll never forget. There was a James storm and Chris Harris, something happened to them, some upset in the back locker room. They're like, go like, like it really happened. Like, I don't even think like, 
I don't even think, I think it was a, a shoot, you know? And mm -hmm. I, and they were like, we have to change everything. And people were screaming and I went back there and, and they were like, here's to you, back to you, Goldie. And I was just like, you know, I, James Storm, his leg is broken. And all I remember is, I can't remember if it was Terry Taylor or Vince wouldn't have yelled at me. Somebody yelled at me so hard and just said, you know, you idiot. Like you can't say that his leg is broken. You have to use words like it appears as though his leg is broken or his arm is broken. Like, and I, that was one of the biggest life lessons that I ever learned are your cho your word choices, you know, and how that can make or break a, a, a network or a show or an episode or whatever, or a, a relationship or friendship is choose your words carefully. So, yep. you know, I, I learned every people say everything I needed to learn. I learned in kindergarten, like everything in life I needed to learn. I learned from professional wrestling. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's, that's a good True. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're kind of going along, it's so interesting that different characters and different people, like you said, uh, James Storm and Chris Harris and, you know, all the different guys. What about that one weird, it's so funny, but looking back at Dusty Rhodes, obviously has a great promo about it. I think it was either Puppet or Tio, basically, you know, beaten off in the garbage game. Remember that that interview? Yeah. What was that like in that setup? Because that's just like, wait, like, what the hell? And obviously later on, Dusty would make fun of it. But what was yeah. that like for you? Because that is some one, like, one weird scenario. Yeah, I, had, I I was so out of it, but this is how not plugged in I was. I didn't even realize that he was beaten off in a, in a garbage can. No clue. I just Good thought point. it was a midget that they threw in a minute, and he was like, and and I the like we didn't have a lot of lines. Like they just would say, "Go and here's your structure, and get this get this message out or whatever." So I didn't have the stuff of puppet beating off in a garbage can. I just mm. was like. Okay, go over there. He's in a garbage can. I didn't know. I just figured somebody threw the midget in a garbage can. And isn't that supposed to be funny? Or it's now, like 18 years later, everything then that Wild Wild West show was yep. so politically incorrect. And I think that's what made it great is like, I didn't even know he was jerking off. And, and I was so busy about, okay, Cobra, and then say the word Python. And then little, he says this. And then I'm like, don't you mean that? And I'm so worried about getting what I need to say out correctly and not screw up. Like I appeared to have a broken that I yep. wasn't, I didn't even know till later. And then I'm like, Oh my God. And there, there's a couple things like Jerry Lynn hit me with a couple things like open up your mouth and say, ah, and I was like, I didn't know that was coming or, right. um, you know, your lips are pretty your pink lips. So I wasn't talking about those lips from the dups. Like I had no idea like <laughs> stuff was going to yeah. come in my way. And that's why I genuinely sincerely looked so disgusted. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember the dups, they were pretty uh, vulgar, but that was kind of like a little bit of the, the, the TNA, the, the other version of it where they had the tradition of NWA and then TNA and sports entertainment extreme and Russo writing some crazy stuff. Were you ever just like, all right, besides obviously when you originally told Russo, no, but was there ever some other things that made it on air? You were very uncomfortable with that. You definitely did not want to do. No. Cause no. I signed up for professional wrestling. I flew out to Nashville three times. You know, it wasn't for a librarian gig, you know, it's, it's, there's so much wacky shit that was going on and people running around in the locker room and they had the whole April gimmick where she was in the shower all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. I mean, we were so professional. Everybody was just a professional that we just did our job and it was so hectic trying to get everything done on time because it was live it was live pay-per-view like that's yep. way different than than all this other stuff that's going on there just there wasn't a lot of time for hurt feelings there wasn't a lot of time to be offended or you just did your job and 
and y'all went out to Hooters afterwards, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was a beautiful flow. I didn't appreciate it at the time. I don't give myself enough credit for how being a newbie or being any bee, how I was able to just keep that flow going. And then I had to change clothes every interview. I was in something different. So, you know, which will lead us to, uh, because I had changed clothes and it was time sensitive, like Kurt Hennig would play ribs on me and like hide my stuff or chain it up or duct tape it to a chair, my suitcase so that I couldn't change on time. And I was, of course, I'd have to be in the same thing. So if you ever saw me in something twice, it's usually because Kurt found a way to hide everything. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What? What a river. That's great. That's was. So funny. Was. Now, you you weren't really familiar with wrestling before and you weren't a fan at all before TNA? It's not that I wasn't a fan. I mean, my grandma and I would watch it and I'd sit mm -hmm. in her lap when I was a tiny girl, but like I just wasn't into into it like like you are or I didn't watch it or follow or I mean I knew some of the greats obviously because I lived in Minnesota, mm -hmm. but I wasn't I I wasn't plugged in. I I couldn't tell you what matches they were talking about or that that was the most difficult thing for me is tag team title match like took me 18 years to be able to have that roll off my tongue or a gauntlet or this or that like i didn't know what they were talking about i had to literally like memorize all this stuff and just go out there and say it, it was hard pretty good though of you not to know anything and then be thrown into it like that and execute it right i mean that's got to be uh you know pretty commendable of course to be able to to pull that off I, I look back at it now and I'm proud of a lot of the stuff because I would memorize it in three minutes before the red light went on, they'd change the whole thing. Right. Which is super frustrating. It's like I was, I'd stay to myself, I'd memorize, I'd learn my stuff. I'd try to get it down. And then they'd be like, Oh, we're going to change this, this. And I'm like, I literally felt like I was going to self combustgate. Like I just, it was too much for me, but I managed to just get it right. You know, you really only had one, one take. Yeah. That was it. So was there a culture shock going from Minnesota to Nashville at all? Because that's a completely uh, different kind of area. It was Beverly Hills to Nashville. And the answer mm -hmm. is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in Beverly Hills, Bel Air, and Century City, like three of the most expensive zip codes in the United States. Mm -hmm. And then I came to, to Nashville, which is much different. And you know what, John, there's beautiful people everywhere. And there's crappy people everywhere, but the pace here from Los Angeles is way, way different. And I don't drink. I don't use anything. I'm just real squeaky clean when it, my mouth isn't. But when it comes to like substances and everything like that, like I don't, I don't use anything. And I mean, everybody here is just like you hang and you drink and you do your stuff. And it's, I just feel like a weirdo half the time at things. Cause I don't, I don't feel like I really fit in, but I'm cool with that. I'm not going to change my habits to fit in someplace, but like people do drink an awful lot here. Like that's just what you do. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I could see that. It's a big party town. Uh, it, is, it is. It yeah. is. Now with you, you're, you're down in Nashville. You're working for TNA. When do you start doing the theme, the theme songs and the theme right music away. for some of the guys? Okay. So right is away. that kind of why they wanted you to, they wanted you to do both or they did, they didn't even mention that. No, I showed up in something that um, I have a Patreon, Patreon slash Goldilocks. Mm -hmm. And today, uh, actually, I had an, because it's part of the patrons, um, what do you call the, God, what was I going to say? Their benefits, their perks is to get behind the scenes access and stories and whatnot. And I don't know what, I think I did a podcast last week where they were really digging into the sexual harassment 
um, taste that I could have had and didn't. And then somebody was asking a question about the theme songs and Dodging Bullets came up, which was Trinity's theme song. And I mm -hmm. remember writing that about the sexual harassment that I was experiencing every week. And it's called Dodging Bullets. And it was like, um, there's a line in, in there, something explode jerking off on a jerk jerking off on my reputation like it was, it's a very vile graphic song and you only heard the first little bit of it for the entrance but the actual song it is vile for a younger mm -hmm. woman to have written but like that's what my defense mechanism was because I was in a bad situation and I didn't want anything to happen to jeopardize my new friend's jobs or mine. But I remember meeting like the, there's a music person running around and great became a great friend and that he was, he was just like trying to find out what people liked so that he could go recreate it. Cause they didn't have the licensing to use, you know, right. Godsmack or, you know, Pantera, but they could make something recreate it to sound like that. And I just mentioned like, Hey, I'm a singer and I'm a songwriter and I worked with Prince and everybody in Minneapolis and blah, 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 blah. And I had all this stuff and fanfare and usually somebody would blow a chick off, but I was pretty persistent just like I was getting the job. Yep. And we ended up going to the studio and working. And then he was like, wow, you're actually decent. And we started writing, 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 writing. And like, I mean, most of the stuff that you heard, I had something to do with. Uh, I was totally ghosting and behind the scenes. And it was a symbiotic relationship where I got production and things like that. And then they just used the piss out of all those songs, rightly, rightly yeah. so. That's what you do. We both, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And that's how I got started was just right off the bat. I, I took all the photos um, I had photo equipment that I brought from LA that I would leave at the asylum and lock it up in one of the like, uh, what do you call it? Gates, uh, fenced up things in there and we'd lock it up, yep. um, strobes. And I'd bring my camera back and forth. I did the graphics for a lot of their CDs or their DVD covers. Um, again, I just did it to help out. Like, wow. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just wanted to see it. It was so low budget like when it first started there was there was nothing and i was like let me help let me help and and they did and i've got a lot of i actually thought about that i've got like all these photos from like the first week of tna the first month and i think they're in the basement and i'm going to dig them out and give them to patrons as like very Ooh, quiet idea very quiet yeah. incentives very quiet incentives yeah yeah that's awesome yeah very yeah. cool yeah, I didn't realize that you were doing like the photos and the graphics and that. So who was the guy? Dale Oliver was the guy you're helping out do the music? Okay. What, what was like kind of the experience like with him? Because you always see his name all over the place. Obviously, you're kind of be ghosting a little bit, but you always see Dale Oliver all over the place with TNA he music. Was, he he like? was very good to me. He was very good to me. Yeah, I'll just say that. I mean, it's it's hard to see. It's hard not to see. But you know what? Again, I knew what I signed up for, and I got a lot out of it. And I'm sure the studio time that was used by me to record all of this stuff. I mean, that's some nice gear I was using. So, mm -hmm. you know, you just, I think more people have to be like that, not just be like me, 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 you know, it's all about me, but like, all right, you're working with somebody. And I mean, I didn't get paid for a lot of stuff. I didn't get paid for anything, but then again, I would have had to pay for studio time. I would have had to pay to work with a producer like that. So, it all washes, washes each other out, cancels each other, each other out. But I get, um, there's a lot of stuff that I did that nobody will ever know. It's fine. And there's a lot of stuff that like, I'll see my name on it as far as singing on it. And it's not even me. 
and I don't even think it's good. But <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. They they don't give you credit. They're like, okay, you sung this song. Yeah, like, yeah. this chick sucks, and it's like Goldilocks <laughs> saying, I'm like, uh, that's not me. It's so obvious that it's not me. I have a yeah. very distinctive Fran Drescher nasally, like Midwestern voice, and it's like this woman clearly doesn't, and I'm sure she tried really. I don't know who the hell is saying it. It doesn't matter. There's just things that I that I hear and they'll say that's Goldie, and I'm like, no, it's not me. But and then I can't say anything because I'll sound like a big dick. So <laughs> true. Then they put you on TV, kind of as a manager, like an on-screen role. You know, you were with Abyss and Alex Shelley. Yeah. What did you think of them doing that? Did you did you enjoy that? Like that showing your range and did playing. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. I enjoyed all of it. I wish I could go back and manage right now. I just. I would love to go back and just do the craziest thing that I possibly could like i i the, the most heel now i understand what a heel really is mm -hmm. i get it and i get what i could have been doing i get that i should have been worrying less about the stuff i was worrying about back then when i was a kid and i should have been worrying about story development i should have been cross-promoting with other workers wrestlers i should have there's so much john that i should have been doing and i do wish i could go back and and I have a decent fan base, support base. I don't like the mm -hmm. word fan. I'm weird about it. I have a decent support base. The band has a decent support base. I've done a lot of TV since then. And I'd like to go back and 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 kind of get a, a redo or a Tosh.0 redemption. Yeah, that would be nice. I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I think you posted, actually. You had the black wig on. Yeah. Scott, Scott Hudson's like, um, Goldie. And you're like, yes. It was just so funny seeing, like, you know, you playing the, that, that range of that character and playing something different. Did you enjoy that? Because it seemed like you were having a lot of fun doing that. I loved it. It was my idea. I crashed a production meeting down West End, downtown Nashville, Jeff, Dutch, Vince, Jerry. I found out where that meeting was. I, I taped my face back and I had this wig on and I knocked on the door and I covered up the peephole and I was like, <laughs> knock, knock, knock. And, and I came in and they just were looking at me and I had, had sort of an accent like I did. And they're just like, what the, like, what the fuck really? And, um, yep. and I just remember like looking at him saying that I've got an idea. I don't know either. Who is this freak? Like Vince was just like, get this freaking freak out of here. And I was like, you guys, it's me. And like, they didn't get it. I'm like, it's me. They still didn't get it. I'm like, it's Goldie. Look, got the wig on. And I was like, look, I got this idea for a gimmick and I, I wanted to present it to you in the best way possible. Obviously it worked. I, I want to be a different character. I want her to go so far crazy, so split personality that I want to be a different character every, um, every week. And they bought it. They went for it. It was great. And then I look back at some of it now and I'm like, would I be, would I be in trouble even now for playing a Hispanic person? Is that, where, where where is the line now? I'm like I'm playing a part of a Hispanic woman, but would somebody say that I'm a racist now? You know, I just like it's so crazy right now. Like it's upsetting. Yeah. It's it's I speak seven languages and one of them is Spanish. So I was like, I want to play a Hispanic woman. I want to come in and I want to look like a stereotypical typical you know hood rat. You know, this is got this and the gold tooth. And then you know, am I going to get criticized for that someday? I hope not because it's like. That was me wanting to act and wanting to pay homage to a culture that I thoroughly admire and enjoy. And it's 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 scary now because you look at like this cancel culture and, and everybody's just calling everybody out for shit that happened like years ago, like yep. like some scorned bitch. It's just like it's getting to be if you don't have the balls to take care of stuff 
when it happens, just, just, I get it. You, I get it. I'm a female. I get it. I just, I've chosen to handle things a different way. I, I yep. have just gone head in and said, this is happening. What do you want to do about it? It is crazy now because it almost seems like people are going back, not just in wrestling, but everywhere. It's like, oh, they played a character that was controversial, but there was just a character. I think some people have a, uh, a problem realizing what's real and what's kind of a character on TV. Or, or I think people you know, are out of their minds. I think they're out of their freaking minds. They're I losing really it. They're definitely losing it. Did you like working with Abyss, though? Abyss and uh, Alex Shelley. Abyss got me fired, but I enjoyed working with him up until he lied oh. and said oh, that. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, he was friends with my friends. He was always professional to work with. He was decent to me. I never had a problem with him. He wasn't my best friend. Um, I went to him and told him that I was worried about a bump. It got, I, he lied and said, I said I was going to sue the company. I got fired. I mean, it's water under the bridge. Everybody knows that's why I got canned. Mm -hmm. um, he just ran his mouth. I guess I was getting too much TV time. I guess I was Vince's friend and Vince was putting me on a lot of different spots and maybe people were just sick of it. And they're just like, this chick's got to go. And I don't blame anybody. If, if I was a wrestler, a full-time wrestler, and there was only so many minutes during the, the episode during the show, then I probably would have wanted to see me go too, but I, I would have done it a different way. There's just, yeah. there's always like better ways to do things than to like throw somebody under the bus or lie. Because I mean, honestly, like I remember walking downtown with Jerry and Jeff to a club called Hurricanes saying, Hey, my friend Chris has this other friend, Chris, who's doing a lot of work in Puerto Rico, who's really good. Because I was friends with James Storm and Chris Harris, and their friend was Chris Abyss. And mm -hmm. I just said, you know, would you look at him? And because I was in with the office, like I said in the beginning. And I remember Jerry saying, All right, we'll take a look at him. Like I've heard some things about him too. And I'm like, well, it sure would mean a lot to me. Wink, wink, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I mean, I didn't, I wasn't responsible for him getting a job, but I I'd have to think that some of the positive words I said had some influence. So it was just odd that I exited on the heels of trying to do something good for somebody else. But things always work out the way they're supposed to, and it'll roll around the way it is. I'm not mad at him. I've seen him since, you know, mm -hmm. it's all good. Bitter at all about the exit um, from TNA or no? Bitter? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not bitter about it. I just wish again, like, I wish I would have done a better job so that I was um, more valuable to the, to the company. So again, I take uh, personal responsibility right off the bat. Jeff was nice when he let me go. James Storm was the one who tipped me off that I was done that day. Um, I knew it. I they were doing the the promos with you know like turn to the camera. You're you know like go yeah. boom. You know you know what I'm talking about. And I just remember somebody like I was second to last kind of like dodgeball in school. Cause I wasn't very athletic and I was always like second to last. And then that one girl that like, I think the girl with cerebral palsy was always like the last one picked. <laughs> I mean, oh God. And then it was me. So, you know, and I felt so sorry for her. I'll never forget her. She, she didn't have cerebral palsy. She had fetal alcohol syndrome. So she would shake Ooh. And yeah. people would pick on her so bad, and I would beat the shit out of people. Like, I spent my entire grade school pounding kids for making fun of Lisa. Um, so it wasn't cerebral palsy, but she shook and she couldn't hold anything. That's just a, a side note. Why the hell was I going down that rabbit hole? Uh, yeah, I, my, I, I, I remember I was the last one to do the promos, and 
somebody said, what about Goldie? And, and I just remember looking over at David Sahadi who was directing it. And like, he was looking at them and he, he's just doing this and like, and then he, he caught my eye and I was just like, hmm. and I was like, I'm done. I knew it. And then, and he walked away and I was like, uh, and I just, and, and then I bumped into James like a few minutes later and I was like, I got this really weird feeling. He's like, Goldie, the word on the street is, is you're done. I'm like, why? What did I do? And he's like, you know, you said you're going to sue the company. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, he's like over the black hole slam, you know, James. I'm like, I never said that. If I was going to sue the company, it would have been in 2002 when, when some bad stuff happened. And I just went to Jerry and Jeff and Bob Ryder and said, you know, this is what's happening. What do you want to do about it? And, and they helped in their own way, figure it out, you know, and then the company kept going. If I would have said anything, it would have, they would have lost their funding and it would have been done and nobody would have had the chance to shine the way that they do. And I had too many new friends and, and, and now I'm thinking I'm getting fired over a, a lie that was never said. I, I didn't say I was going to sue the, I would, I, I don't even have those words in my vernacular. I said, mm -hmm. to Terry Taylor, I'm concerned about this bump. I've got a degenerative disc disease. I've got a pre-existing uh, condition where if you even look at me wrong, I could be paralyzed. We've got a really big show in a couple of weeks with three doors down, Nickelback, Puddle of Mud. I'm really excited about it. And I can just see flying off whatever rope you want me to do or slam and, and, and not being able to get up afterwards. Could we do something else that's visually stimulating, but I, I won't, you know, jeopardize my, my paralysis. And Terry was like, look, well, I'll look into it, you know? And then I just remember trying to work with the Biss and he was like, well, don't worry about it. I'm like, well, of course I'm worried about it. I'm not a wrestler. What, what are you going to do to me? Right. Like, what's it going to look like? What do I do? And he's like, well, just doesn't matter. Whatever I do, just be limp. Just, just be limp. And I'm like, okay, but like, are you picking me up by the hair, by the crotch, by the tits, by the back? Are you going to swing me around from the chandeliers? Hmm. Like, what do I do? He goes, I don't know. Just don't worry about it. And I was really frustrated because I'm like, so this big seven foot what man is just going to flip me. I'm five, four, 120 pounds. Like, well, I don't know what I've never taken a bump before. And my questioning led to bullshit and just getting me fired. That was it. Wow. So I'm not bitter about and it, John. He, I just wish I could do it, redo it. And he's not a small man. I mean, he's gigantic. Oh, he's huge. Would you want him to pick you up? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Well, Although you know I, I have seen him. I have seen him get bullied before by a 75 year old man who's probably about five foot three. Yeah, at an autograph signing, the guy told him he was in his seat, and Abyss got, was very respectful and got up and walked away. It was it was actually really funny, like to think back about it. Like, wow, I can't believe Abyss just like kind of was like okay to the guy. The guy was you know drunk and old and what, and it was a park bench right outside this convention center. But I just was like laughing at myself. I was like, wow, he just like punked out Abyss, who's what six five, three hundred fifty yeah. pounds or whatever. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's always like very kind. Like I don't have any riff with him at all over all these years. I just, I just wish things would have played out differently or, I mean, who knows, maybe I would have started like really wrestling. I did some indie stuff, but maybe I would have gotten hurt, John, or been paralyzed right. or died or whatever. I mean, I just think I, I told you at the beginning, I believe in God and I, I believe your higher power guides you. And, and, um, thank you for putting the thing on the bottom. I, I believe that your higher power guides you and, and everything happens for a reason and karma happens and all kinds of things do. So I, I definitely, I don't ever sweat what happens. I just, if it comes to me not doing 
a good job or not performing well, I, I would have liked to have redone it. And your music career probably was your number one goal, right? Your number one focus. So you're saying Nickelback, oh, Puddle of Mud, number one focus. Sure. I mean, both both were at the at the end of the day. I'm an entertainer and I'm a hybrid. So I'm I don't consider myself to be just a musician or an artist or whatever. I'm an entrepreneur. So it's all about building a brand and a business. And the best part about being an entertainer and having that opportunity is I really like to bring value to people's lives as cheesy as that sounds like I like to entertain them and I like to make them feel good. And I like to put out content that's motivating and empowering. I just, I'm just not about anything that's dark or dreary or that's going to put somebody down a bad path. I'm not, I'm not into that. So I feel like I have a big responsibility with what I'm doing and that's entertaining and it's fueled by music and TV and wrestling and everything. I mean, all the stuff that I do now that keeps it all alive. And again, I, I, I don't hope I expect that I get to go back and do something in wrestling sooner than later. Nice. That would be great. What was the experience? Like, I know what you're talking about. All, I know you paint too. You open up for and all these other big time bands, but what was it like with Prince? I feel like that's gotta be such an interesting, but weird. Cause he's one of those geniuses, but he's kind of like nuts. And what was it yeah. like working with Prince? You know, he's very quiet. I ended up working with like he would supervise it and then he'd pass it off to like his jabronis, his people. Mm -hmm. So I ended up working with a lot of his people. Um, he said a few <clears throat> very powerful things to me in my life that impacted me and molded and sculpted me forever. One of the things was I was always working really, really late. And so was he. And I was always making things or graphics. I started out and got my deal and working with him through photography and graphic design and sewing. And same thing with TNA. I, I used to sew, create, design, make, manufacture a lot of the ring jackets and entrance. Oh, wow. I didn't realize stuff. that. Very cool. I, I, I did. And a lot of those first TNA action figures from Christopher Daniels to um, Lance Storm to James Storm, Chris Harris to um, the Naturals, like all those action figures are wearing the clothes that I designed and made. So it's really awesome. cool to like have all those, you know, and know that I got a chance to work on all that stuff. So, I mean, that's what I did for Paisley park. That's what I did for all of the Minneapolis based studios was a, I was a tiny kid. I mean, I started, when I was like eight, nine years old, like bugging people and showing up on my bike with my like three ring binder with my tapes. I always had tapes to play everybody, my songs. And I, and I made this cover, you know, and then finally I, I got in and I was, to answer your question, I was working on designing some stuff and I had it all cut out and I was making pop-up CD books and things where you opened it up and they came to life. But that's a lot of work and cut and there's crap everywhere. And I just remember <clears throat> Prince like kind of popping the door a little bit and he just kind of looked around and he said, oh, Looks like you got yourself a, a regular factory here and you just <laughs> left. And I was like, and that's the name of like the factory photography, um, the, the factory by Goldilocks, like all of my that's stuff awesome. is the factory yep. because I was like, wow, Prince thought that my, my shithole of crap everywhere in his studio looked like a factory. Yeah. And that, that really resonated with me. And he was a brilliant man. I learned a lot from him. He stayed to himself. He just worked and worked and worked. 
I bumped into him in the common areas, but for the most part, like my day-to-day were people that he used to have in his band. And now he employed them as managers or producers or players. It's kind of like the backstage at WWE, you know, like a lot Mm -hmm. of these guys, I just was watching Randy Orton cut some promo and Ric Flair was by his side. And, you know, that's the kind of people that I ended up, I didn't work with Vince McMahon, pray tell, but Mm -hmm. I worked with, you know, all of his, his people. So, I mean, we did, but not like, not day to day. So. Right. Producers, agents, stuff like that. Exactly. But I mean, I'm very proud to be from Minneapolis and come from that scene and that those camps. And it was, it was good. It was, it was beautiful times. And I remember when he died, my mom died before that. And then when he died, it just felt like there was like this, this chunk of my life was gone forever. And it almost screws with your own mortality. Because you're just like, wow, that's all gone. Like, you know, Paisley Park and and uh, the Graffiti Bridge, that movie, or Purple Rain with mm-hmm. Lake Victoria, Lake Minnetonka. Like, that's all stuff from, like, my, my neighborhood and, like, where Prince went to high school. I went to high school for a while. And where Prince lived, I lived three doors down from him, you know, in Shanahassen. And I worked across the street. And it's just like when he, when he died, it just – it's really creepy. It's just, it, it just sets in like that part of your life is it's gone. Like there's no more. It's just gone. It's very strange. Yeah. It's weird. It's like you, you close that chapter and you can't get it back. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's gone. And like, I, I remember being outside of the studio, leaving on the tour bus, you know, leaving Paisley park and having the gates open. Cause there were always, you know, a lot of security. And I remember my mom like embarrassing me, but my dad like standing there shaking his head, but she would pull out a handkerchief from her and she would do this gimmick. Like, because my mom was 45 when she had me, she lived through the depression. Her father worked the railroad and that's what you did when people coming back from war, war, you know, seeing them off to war is you, you waved your white hanky and what the hell is this gimmick that she's got? Just, ah, just stop waving a hanky, mom. You're embarrassing me in front of all these people. They're like, who's that woman out there with her handkerchief, like screaming, like, oh, be safe, my child. I'm just like, God. And then I think now, like, not only will that hanky never be waved again, but those gates will never be opened again. It's a museum now. He would die if he knew that. I mean, he already is dead, but he would roll over in his grave. He would he would not want what's going on there at all. He was super private and all that stuff is on display now for everybody. And that was his shit. But, you know, that whole chapter is just gone from my family to Minneapolis. That's where I'm born. That's, that's where I'm from. Like, that was my family. It's just the most weird, nostalgic chapter closing that I can possibly describe. And when I hear his songs just out, like at, you know, at the mall or on a restaurant, I just, like, you can just tell, like my friends are just like, are you okay? And I just like, I tweak out because it's just too, it's too weird. It's too weird. It's yeah. not like great friends, but it like, it really represents a big chunk of time for me. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. So when you, you know, you leave Minnesota, you come to Nashville, how do you really kind of grow the Goldilocks brand? Because like you said, pink Nickelback, uh, Puddle of Mud, I mean, just huge acts that you're opening up and playing with and stuff. So how do you build that brand and become where you are today? 
you just, you don't, I mean, like I'm just starting to figure out now, like over the last couple of years, so clueless. I just, I remember a very famous producer I worked with that I met up with in LA, Michael Patterson, you know, he helped me with all of these songs that became ring after I started working with Dale Oliver. I'm working with like, you know, all of these gold record Grammy smackers in LA and they're using some of that music because of, I'm like, you guys like, check this out. Like, even though I was off of uh, TNA, I still kept in touch with a lot of friends and like, Oh my God, that's so amazing. Like we've got to use that. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get them to use that as my entrance music. And, and so I'm, I'm just meeting all these amazing people and working on stuff that like I, I, I was on like one of Maynard from tools records and yeah, all these yeah. like crazy metal people screaming on their stuff. Like just, you're in LA. So just like, come sing on this, come sing on this. You don't even know what it's for again, more ghostwriting and things like that. But I mean, I got credit for this, but I remember Michael Patterson saying like, Oh, you got to check out MySpace." I'm like, Oh, that sounds dumb. That'll never work. Or, Oh, you got to check out Facebook. Oh, it's dumb. That's never, I was just like, everything was always dumb and that's never going to work. And I'm just like, Oh my God. And even now when like Vince had me come on bucket full of chicken necks and I started with the realm network on Vince's mm -hmm. brand, it's like, I didn't quite get it. I did the show every week, yada, yada. I should have tried harder. And then some stuff hit the fan and like he needed to restructure for whatever reason. And he's like, well, you can have your own show. And all my friends were like, Oh, you should just break off on your own, do your own thing. And then I'm like, no, I, I'm not ready for that yet. But at least I had somewhat of a clue, John, like maybe there's something you don't know. And then like, of course, like being plugged into that, what an honor. You know, yep. to be able to tap into all these wonderful people. And at first I thought, there's a lot of assholes here. And she's like, Goldie, there's some really good people here. And I'm like, no, they're really mean to me, Vincent. And of course, overreacting, drama queen. And then now that I have like the Patreon, then you see like these insanely awesome people like supporting you each month. And I'm just like, God. So now I just think that every single corner that I turn building a brand, I'm just going to shut up. And I'm not going to say anything. And I had Lenny Lane on my podcast mm -hmm. a few weeks ago and Alan Funk. And he was telling me about, you know, driving around with Kurt Hennig or Dusty Rhodes or this, that, the next thing. And he's like, he just shut his mouth. And I was like, man, I wish that you could have rubbed off on me. And I wasn't <laughs> running my big fat mouth, you know, not learning. So again, 2020 hindsight, but I, I've learned a lot and just building the brand. I just want to continue to keep on plugging away. And if anybody's listening this far in the podcast, thank you. Please, will you go over to All To You on YouTube, Goldie, G-O-L-D-Y, All To You, and cross-promote two-man power trip. And yeah. I don't think John's got his name up here, but like just cross-promote that you heard about the video and the song on this podcast. So website is T, I can't have my glasses on, tmptempire.com. Yes, yeah. yes. cross Cross pollinate. That's what you got to yeah. do. And which is great. Um, I'm on uh, Shane Douglas triple threat podcast on the brand. You're on the brand Goldie's closet. You're very loyal to Vince Russo. I think that's very cool. And obviously very loyal to James storm. I guess loyalty is a, is a big thing to you. You've been friends with both of them for almost 20 years. It isn't. Here's me. I don't even know like all of the stuff that you're on until, you know, till today and researching yeah. you the last couple of days. So I'm glad that I reached out because I'm again, clueless. It's hard <laughs> though to know everything that everybody is doing. Well, Russo has so many shows on there now too. Yes. He's got so many shows. Disco. Um, but you know, you're, on, stuff and... you're on Patreon, not on the realm or you're on the realm. No realm. realm. So okay. So you're on the same yep. thing that I am then. Yep. Yep. We're both on there with your buddy Shane, who you probably know from uh, your day working. More and... stories about Shane than I could even care to tell. 
Lots you know what's so in- so interesting? I, I couldn't stop laughing. You messaged me one day and you said something. This was a while back, and you messaged said something about Shane. And I, I said, "Oh yeah, I'm on Triple Threat Podcast, whatever." Shane, she's like, "Oh my god!" I or you said, "I I remember he beat somebody up in a bar," and I started laughing. So I said, "Shane, this can't be true." I'm laughing, th- thinking that he's going to totally deny it because I just texted him, and he's like, "Um, he goes, nope, all true." And then he put like a devil horn like face, or whatever. I was like, "Oh, I thought you were going to deny it." Say, "Not true, not true." You know, no, I can. I, yeah, I, he really I, did. I recall, he I recall that he was fuck. Excuse me. He was very messed up that night. So if he remembers it, then he's really good with his stuff because I remember his eyes were like, and again, I am not criticizing any of these people for taking painkillers because I don't even know how they take the bumps that they do. But I just remember this particular night, he was a little few sheets to the wind. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting with my back to some guys. Shane was all in the back and it was at the ale house and they were calling wrestlers F A G G O T S they kept saying they're a bunch of like this, bunch of maggots, bunch of maggots, bunch of maggots. And I just was like sitting with my friends thinking, and I just remember like, Hey man, um, this is, this whole place is filled with wrestlers. And I just don't think this is going to go over really well for you. So I'm just letting you know, maggots, 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 you're all about drunk, drunk, drunk. And I was like, bro, I'm serious. Like I'm getting annoyed by this. I don't like you talking about my friends like this, but you're going down the wrong. And then the next thing I know, here comes Shane, the franchise. And mm-hmm. I swear he might not remember it like this, but I remember them going through a window. Like I remember a plate glass window and like the guy going through it and glass being on him. Like I just remember glass and blood mm-hmm. and saying, I told you so. And then like before you even knew what hit you, the cops were there and they had him cuffed. And we were all worried, like, is he going to come back? Like, right. because they were assholes. I mean, you don't just sit there and make slurs like that all night long and not expect to get your ass whooped. And it's just like, I think there was just too many people and too many eyes or they didn't have cameras back then. So that's right. a good thing. You know what I mean? There were no cameras, uh, yeah. but I remember he beat the shit out of that guy. And we were all just like, we were just happy for it. Yep. So many things he- like that. He said he used two uh, F words, the F-A-G word and the F-A-K-E. So he said that he kept saying fake, fake, too. So oh, I don't he remembered that. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yep. I, I yeah. mean, I, I would concur with that. But, like, yeah. I remember nobody put it past him for we were all ready to pound these guys. They were just they were sitting right behind me and it was all wrestlers and this like some lay people in there. And then the other side of the alehouse we're like the normal people. But for the most part, every Tuesday, Wednesday night, whatever it was, pay-per-view in Orlando, we just packed that place and we stayed. We closed it down. And then everybody went to like the strip club afterwards or whatever was open. Of course, I'm like, uh, I don't want to go there. But right. um, and then some of the guys went back and worked out. Wow. Yeah, really? they went back to the hotel because we were all checked out a lot of the times. If if TNA was paying for it, well, then we'd stay. But a lot of us were paying for it ourselves. So we were like, yeah, we'll just check out before we go over to universal studios, get all of our stuff and then do the pay-per-view, go to the ale house and then it'll be really, really late. And then we'll just, usually we went back to the hotel and then we went out to the pool with like some wadded up t-shirts. So this is how it really went. And we'd sleep on the lawn chairs, like on the pool chairs until like three 34. And then here come the shuttles to take us to the airport get there by five. We had like a five fifty five, six fifty five flight or something back to wherever we were going. 
I mean, it was, we were all just dead. It was like the walking dead. Like everybody was <laughs> zombies. And like, I just remember Johnny Devine was like always still up because he'd hooked up with some like nasty rat or something. <laughs> <laughs> like there was funny, funny stuff. So yeah, like, yeah, Shane, I've never talked to Shane since then, but I, I do remember that. I didn't remember the fake part though, but that's good that he remembered it. Yeah, somehow he remembered that. But as we, we go towards the finish line, we head towards the finish here. Got to ask you this because you've done so many different things. Now even stuff that I didn't realize, the photography, besides obviously the music and the on-screen, but you've also been on uh, several TV shows, Ted Nugent, uh, CMT, the channel, uh, TLC. How do you get in all these uh, TV gigs? You do, uh, you know, every little bit of everything, it seems like. Go hustle. Just hustle. Like, there's so much work out there. You just have to keep trying. And I actually had something really special and amazing that was in the works. And then here comes COVID, and it just wrecked everything. So oh, yeah. I've been in touch with the that network and the production company. And I patiently wait. There's an art to staying on people's radar, John, without being obtrusive or annoying. But it's all I can do every day, but just, like, email them they're in actually in, in london and just be like can we go can we go can we go we had uh, i had a couple of really big tv shows offered right before covid and both of them involved me living with families so it just hell in a handbasket so again no hope i expect that it'll roll around and it'll it'll happen again and 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 some good things i'll be able to right some wrongs as far as not being such an idiot i had a really big show for two years on PBS uh, last year, and then some foul stuff went and corruption, and they fired thirteen of the, you know, the general oh, manager, wow. my pr producers, good friends that were at PBS, and then you know I'm just like, you know, flailing around in the wind, you know. But two years with a bunch of episodes in the can, it was ready to get released, and then it just all bagged out. But I had two years worth of filming and going back and forth to LA to Nashville again. This time, you know, back and forth, a different direction because I lived here and not in L.A. And yep. I got a lot of education. Sounds silly, but I learned like great makeup and hair and from the uh, real young crew, glam squad. And I, I learned a lot and I learned a lot about promos again and camera and sharpened my my skill, my tool set. So I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Awesome. Great. Now now, obviously, on Russo's brand, Goldie's yes. Closet. Uh, so tell us just more about, you know, what you got going on with uh, the Patreon, the podcast. I mean, you kind of uh, doing a lot right now. I love the podcast. And we're, are you still up for doing ours after this? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna, you're going to have to help me walk okay. through some questions because I, yeah. I have what I have. But, like, let's let's see how good mm. we can get it for kind of winging it. Like, that's okay. actually uh, a rush for me to see what we can, what we can build and what questions, cause I'm going to ask different things as a woman crazy enough, mm -hmm. um, that we can do. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the podcast is every week. I love it. I love the people on Russo's brand, uh, from his Patreon to the realm Mark at the realm network. Just everybody is just top notch. I love working with Jeff Lane. Just, I love working with great people and I just want to like love on them and suck them up forever. Like once you find a camp that you're cool with, it's just like, I want to keep doing better and better shows and production value and just get better and better. And then Patreon, Vince actually called me up and said, right when the COVID hit like a week into it, he's like, yo, you got to do the Patreon. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? He's like, oh my God, what would, what, bro, what else? What you everything? And I'm like, bro, like, what do I do? And he's like, oh, you could, uh, you could give dating advice. You could, and he just 
and he, you gotta you gotta get with Ben. And I'm like, what what am I gonna do with Ben? Oh, he's got the me, Hameen Media Group. And he started to tell me about Ben. And I Ben literally coached and mentored me for March, April, May, like two months, like every week checking in, wasting his time, you know, and that, you know, so now it's like a lot of the stuff that he was gonna do for me, I'm not having him do right now. I'm like, you paid your dues with your counsel and consulting. And then when things get crazy. Um, out of hand and I can't handle it anymore and manage it, then I'll come to you and have your company help me with some of the things. But for the most part, like we have a lot of patrons, but not so many that I can't just, I just answer their questions in line at the supermarket or taking a dump, you know, whatever, you know, I just <laughs> right, find, right, I, right. I enjoy, yeah. I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy the calls that we're doing. And I remember Vince telling me about Patreon years ago and saying like, so you're, you're charging for a 15 minute call. And he was like, yeah, but it's never 15 minutes, you know? And I'm like, how long is it? Oh, you know? And I mean, we do our chat every week and it goes like way longer than it's supposed to. And the video calls go way longer than I'm not going to just cut somebody off because their time ran out. I mean, my time is valuable, John, but like the love that I have for these people, the Trump's anything like, you know, I'll just, go pee and come on back and, you know, come right, back to the session. Right. They're great people. Patreon's awesome. We're trying to do some really cool shows on, on there. You know, I, I like to be strong and sexy, but I just think there's more to females than just that. So yeah, you get some hot photos and all that great gimmicks and things like that. But there's also some really good shows that we're doing on Patreon daily dump. It's like a Tosh.0 gimmick with a chick. And I sit on a toilet one of my bandmates is my co-host. We've got Tub Talk, me in a tub, basically Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla rolled into one. Yeah, I'm in a tub, shriveled up. It's not that sexy, even though I try to make it like that. But by the right. time I get out and then on camera, I can see like my tits hanging in my cellulite. And I'm like, God, if people could see this, you know, not even sexy at all. Tub Talk, we really hit like dating things and just stuff that dudes need to know about just looking better and feeling better and having more confidence and how to approach women. It's just tons of stuff. And then we've got one that's in the works called lock up your love and it's a dating show. It's an online dating show. So it's just a new twist on the old dating game with, uh, it's really cool, but it's really hard because a lot of people that apply are psychotic and I'm trying to feel through it. And then I start looking at their, their walls and their social. I'm like, Oh my dear God, I wouldn't put this person near, anyone like they're, they're horrible like you know they just got some weird ass habits and things like that and i'm like i don't want to introduce them to some people on a panel and then just have them be you know you can just tell if somebody's right in the head or not so yeah it'll be your fault that it's exactly. like oh, yeah. they're crazy yeah. so a lot of the patrons are signing up for it we just have to find good matches for everyone it's not just about entertainment like i'm actually trying to find some people to be good fits so so please, uh, one last time, tell us about All To You, the big song, the big push. It's just the big push is just please go to YouTube, look for All To You, Goldie. That's all. It'll come up. It's a big head of mine. I think I've got a, a pink hoodie on. Click on it. It's on Russo's brand. It's hosted on Vince's channel. So if you haven't liked it, like it. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. That helps Vince. That helps John. That helps the Realm Network. It helps all of us always do projects that are win-wins, but it would really help if you said, I'm here from Russo's brand and I'm here for John and I'm here for, let me get it right, two-man power trip. I, I'm here for all of this and you know, I, I support suicide prevention. Or if you're reading this right now, you can even put like hashtag just stay, just stay. And, and that's that's the whole message of, of the of the video is just if you're going through hard times and you're you're hurting, 
you know, a lot of people are finding the video, they, they Google suicide or suicide prevention and it's coming up and, and they read through the comments. Like if, if you've done nothing this day or this week or this year or during the COVID go leave a message on the YouTube comments so that somebody that's not feeling well can read through and, and see your message from a stranger. And you don't realize how your words are powerful. And maybe the way that you phrase something is different than I would or John would or somebody else listening. And maybe that's just the message. Maybe you have a story that you'd like to put on there. Maybe that's just what somebody needs to hear to stay and to realize that their life is worth living and valuable and that there are numbers to call and there are resources. There are anonymous you know, hotlines of people that they're professionals and this is their, their job. Just like, you know, about wrestling, like this is these people's jobs to be able to identify words that you're saying when you call that number, what do you have to lose your life? Nothing else. Like it's worth it. Call the number I've called it. I've called the child abuse hotline too, since we did a PSA for that. They're really educated, kind, perfect people for that job. No asshole is going to be working at the suicide prevention hotline. I can guarantee you that they're going to be very kind and they're going to listen to what you have to say and, and they can direct you to a place that can help you. So that's my, my soapbox. I'm off. That's my promo. Great stuff. Now, please, what's uh, all your social media, your Twitter, uh, Instagram at, stuff at Goldilocks rocks, G O L D Y. L-O-C-K-S, R-O-C-K-S. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, and then Facebook is just getting to be a sadder story every day, John, isn't it? Jeez, yeah. please. God, yeah. yes. bunch of freaks on there. I mean, Twitter's <laughs> freaky too, but at least you know that. And Instagram's <laughs> a bunch of people looking at pictures. Yep. They don't want to engage in jack shit. I don't even know why I have Instagram sometimes. So people can just look at you and watch your story and do nothing. Yep, God. pretty much. Pretty much. So weird, dude. It's the weirdest thing. But yeah, please find me on Twitter, especially, and say hi. All right. Awesome stuff. Goalie, thank you for all the time. And we're going to get ready for round two, I guess, uh, in, a, in a little bit, right? I'm going to just use the restroom and send you a link. Is that cool? Perfect. Sounds okay. great. Right, what time do you work in the morning? Uh, eight o'clock, but I don't go to bed usually till like one or two in the morning. I don't really sleep that, ma that many hours, so I'm, I'm usually pretty good. All right. I'm going to use the restroom and I'll send you a link in five. Yep. All right. Thank, thank you, Goldie. Appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate yes. your time, brother. Yes. Thank you. So thank much. you. Yep. Thank you. All right, kiddo. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.